This is the weirdest fantasy football week of all time. Maybe not of all time, but you get my drift. It was just flat out strange. Like, it's just strange. Partners and gals, it's week flipping seven. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Nah, I'm just kidding. Here's this week's fantasy football analysis. Let's do this. When we're talking about QBs, we're going to be talking about Patrick Mahomes is an absolute sicko. Mitchell Trubisky comes up short in the game, but awesome in fantasy yet again. And Cam Newton keeps a high floor in the win against the Eagles. Patrick Mahomes, man. The win over Cincy, he had 358 passing yards, four touchdown passes, and one interception. Bruh. I said it once, and I'll say it many times after. Pat Mahomes is a baller. The kid can ball. The kid can sling. And he can run. And he can throw in the pocket. And he can switch hands and throw the ball. He's got all the weapons and one of the highest completion rates right now behind Phillip Rivers, I'm thinking. Four touchdown passes and a route against Cincy. This kid has an act for the game. QB1 no matter the scenario. Moving on to Mitchell Trubisky in the loss of New England. He had 333 yards passing, two passing touchdowns, and one rushing touchdown. 81 yards rushing and two interceptions. What an insane game in Chicago on Sunday afternoon. And what was predicted to be a burner game turned into a battle in the second half. Trubisky ran for a 40-yard run for a TD in a quarter two to rattle the Patriots, to be honest with you. It was... It was a weird game, to be, to be completely honest with you. Uh, a game-winning pass to Kevin White came up just short of the goal line, one yard shy of a touchdown with the triple O. That would have probably gave him a bigger boost uh, in fantasy points and for this uh, rate alone. But even with the loss, Trubisky and the Bears swing this thing back around with a likely return of Khalil Mack next week, excuse me. Uh, and I see them winning next game fairly easily. Uh, moving on to Cam Newton, he had 269 passing yards, two passing TDs, and 49 rushing yards. Listen, Newton didn't have some crazy performance, but he's proved he's no player to sleep on in the field this season. Uh, his ability to score late in the game and his ability to be able to burn people with his agility makes him a dominant, filthy fantasy asset to have. Uh, keep him at a QB1, even QB2 with tough matchups. Moving on to running backs, we're going to be talking about Kareem Hunt steaming over Cincinnati, Marlon Max truck over Buffalo, and Rams and Gurley remaining undefeated, and even an honorable mention for James White. Uh, talking about Kareem Hunt and that win over Cincy, uh, he had 86 rushing yards, one rushing TD, 55 passing yards, and two passing TDs. Talk about getting it done on the pass and run, right? Hunt caught two TDs and one where he juked a defender through the spin cycle, like an absolute spin cycle. Mama, there goes that man. Incredible bounce back game for the Chiefs and another big game for Hunt, who looks to continue against Denver next week. Uh, even with that big defensive game they had against Arizona, I don't see them having that same effect against the Chiefs. So, uh, big ups to Kareem Hunt. Moving on to Marlon Mack and their win over Buffalo. He had 126 yards, one rushing TD, 33 receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown. Marlon Mack came with a bang this week in fantasy. Buffalo had no answer for Andrew Luck and the boys. Plus, finally moving run game helped clear some pressure off of him. Uh, Mack is looking like a solid player to have moving forward as he is a workhorse in Indy uh, that they had hoped for prior for his injury issues. So, uh, keep him 
if he's not already picked up, I know a lot of people were looking to pick him up last week. If he's not already picked up, you might want to actually grab him as a running back too. Maybe not a running back one, but if you're looking kind of hard at your uh, running back two spot, he's a good person to pick up. Moving on to Todd Gurley in there. Win over the San Francisco 49ers. 63 rushing yards, 2 rushing TDs, 23 receiving yards, and run receiving TD. What do you want me to say? He's not number one? Yeah, because he is. No running, bar, no running back will take the number one spot this year in fantasy. I'm sorry. Not Saquon, not any of them. Gurley ran for only 63 yards on Sunday, but had 3 TDs anyway. The Rams are the scariest team in the NFC, and I have said it before, Gurley's the main head of that dragon. The steam machine keeps moving through all defense for the rest of the year as a solid, concrete, non-movable running back one. Moving on to James White, the honorable mention, the win over Chicago, he had 40 rushing yards, he was 8 for 10 on receptions, he had 57 receiving yards and 2 receiving TDs. This is a big showcase for James White on Sunday. Being a Pats fan, it's hard for me to place any running backs into my podcast from the Patriots, strictly for the fact that we have so many. But uh, with everything that's happened this year, James White is something else to Brady and is becoming a strong part of the offense to rely on. Uh, two receiving touchdowns in the close win over the Bears. White is a keeper for next season and a solid running back to have for this season, especially with Sony Michelle having some knee issues. Uh, he's not looking like he'll be 100% for the next couple weeks, so we'll see what happens there. Moving on to the wide receivers, Odell Beckham plays well in the loss to Atlanta. Adam Thielen with another good game, and John Brown is still a wide receiver too, folks. Uh, OBJ in the loss to Atlanta had 8 out of 11 receptions, 143 receiving yards, and 1 receiving touchdown. Uh, His TD wasn't garbage time, but I mean, OBJ continues to try and spark something in a clearly dying Giants offense. Uh, it's tough to say he isn't a trustable wide receiver one because he is. Uh, Eli, on the other hand, is tough to trust, making it hard to sell on OBJ. Uh, a loss in Atlanta makes it a tough bounce back for the Giants to regain speed. Uh, we'll look at them with a close eye for the rest of the season. Moving on to Adam Thielen and their win over the New York Jets. Uh, his stats were 9 for 10 on receptions, 110 receiving yards, and a receiving touchdown. Uh, Thielen is a catch machine and a damn good one at that. Even with Diggs at the other side, he's grabbing the ball from Cousins and making plays. I liked him last year, and I like his play style even more this year. Great performances from Thielen these past couple weeks, and I see them continuing with ease. Uh, Moving on to John Brown and their loss to the Saints. He was 7-for-7 on receptions, 134 yards, and 1 TD reception. Listen, 7-for-7 on catches, John Brown has gassed himself up into the wide receiver 2 spot for certain. 134 yards against the Saints in a tough late-game loss we'll talk about later in the episode. Even with two slow games previously, he's locked in at the wide receiver 2 spot with a save. Moving on to tight ends, Zach Ertz, Kittle, and Trey Burton all play well in losses. Uh, Zach Ertz in the loss to Carolina was 9 for 11 on receptions, and he had 138 receiving yards. Even without a touchdown and with a loss to the Panthers, Ertz is still that guy. The tight end you can put in every week and guarantee a decent amount of points with a high floor. He's a solid when he's healthy and an awesome tight end one to have. Moving on to George Kittle and their loss to the Rams. Uh, He was 5 for 8, 98 receiving yards and 1 receiving touchdown. Kittle is another tight end that many people didn't really expect to be so consistent. Uh, Even with the fall of Jimmy G, Kittle still finds room for points each week. Even with the birth head at the reins, I forget how to say that QB's name, uh, Berthard, I think. 
Uh, Kittle can still be a loud tight end one each week as like a safety blanket for him. Uh, moving on to Trey Burton and their loss to New England, he was uh, also 9 for 11 on receptions, 126 receiving yards, and 1 receiving TD. Well, it's looking like a big chemistry between Trubisky and Burton that came out of this game. It seems clear Burton has earned his right as a top 5 through 10 tight end this season, honestly. His low floor makes him a little less appealing, but nonetheless a great tight end to have for the season. Uh, keep an eye on him. If he's still available, grab him. I doubt it, but if he's still available, grab him. He's a top 10 through top 5, in my own opinion, tight end this season. So we're going on to the waiver wire pickups for week 7. I apologize for not doing the waivers last week. Uh, I completely spaced on that with the episode being so late due to the tech difficulties that I actually like really just forgot about that. But alas, we're going to introduce something new called uh, Hot and Drop. Two for each with an explanation after. Uh, we'll start with QBs. Obviously, go through the same order as we do with the uh, the hot games. So, for hot QBs to pick up this week, Trubitsky if available, Flacco if available, and Osweiler. People to drop, Derek Carr, Blake Bortles, and Andrew Dalton. Andy Dalton. Sorry, I know I said Andrew. <laughs> So, why Trubitsky? He's shown that he is on a nice little skill train. Uh, he's progressed the past couple games and has been throwing a decent amount of touchdowns for you to pick him up in fantasy and be like, yeah, I can use him every week. Uh, Flacco, he's really just dealing with unnecessary L's, which shouldn't really take away from his fantasy performances, but they kind of do, unfortunately. Um... Osweiler is at the head of the Finns right now. The Finns offense, which seems to strive under him. So, making making him kind of a hot pickup for week 7. Nothing to, to stream. Like, he could be a streamer QB1 at most, I would say. I don't know if I'm saying start him every week. We'll see how he does this, this week and week 8, but I, I'm not too sure. Uh, he's definitely somebody to look at. He would definitely be in the hot list for a reason, but it, he's a very big question mark f- from me. Uh, moving on to the wide drop. Uh, Derek Carr was seen crying after the loss of the Seahawks. Um, if that doesn't show you the team is falling apart, I, I don't know what does. Like, the Raiders are f- collapsing. Drop him like hot water. Uh, that's Bortles, too. He was benched last game, and I don't see him taking his role very seriously enough to be considered in fantasy anytime soon. Um, Same thing with kind of Andy Dalton. If you have his wide receivers, you're in good shape, but it's like one in a blue moon that he actually plays at an elite level. He's good on easy matchups and can't really penetrate defenses as good as he used to. The Red Rocket is a solid drop with other options more viable this season at the skill position. Moving on to running backs. Hot people to pick up. Marlon Mack if available. Jalen Richard and Mostert. People to drop. Darren Sproles, Alfred Blue, and Theo Riddick. Uh, Why hot? Talking about Marlon Mack, it's kind of self-explanatory. He's become the workhorse Indy, making him a perfect running back too if needed. Uh, They haven't had a lot of run offense in Indy for the whole season, so it's good to see if they can get something going, get some pressure off Andrew Luck. Uh, moving on to Jalen Richard and Doug Martin will battle for a running back spot, but it's looking like Jalen Richard is going to be the lead back. Um, they lost Amari Cooper. I mean, they still got good wide receivers, but with Martavis Bryant and a kind of ducky Jordy Nelson, it's it's tough to say if they'll actually have a good pass offense, so maybe they'll rely on Jalen Richard a little bit more. 
Uh, Mostar is actually a consistent running back as Breda and Morris seem to be in and out of the roster every other week. So keep an eye on him if you're uh, if you're struggling with these San Francisco running backs. That's probably the one you want to lock in with at, by the end of the season. Moving on to wide drop for running backs. Darren Sproles, I mean, he's an incredible player. I mean, incredible player. But he's incredibly injury prone after last season. It's hard to trust. I mean, that was a bad injury he took last season. It doesn't surprise me that he's not really producing as much because it's it's a serious injury you got to come back from. Uh, I would keep away from him just for the sacred fact of that. If you ever see a turn in him, obviously pick him back up. But it's, it's a tough call. Uh, Alfred Bloom may see a massive cut in yards with the return of Dante Foreman, which is tough to determine, but it's kind of it's kind of set in stone. Foreman was a starter beforehand, and he, he, they're saying that he's looking like the return as he was before. So that doesn't help uh, if you have Alfred Blue. So keep an eye on that. Uh, Riddick is behind a striving Karrion Jones and Legarrette Blunt TD hogging. It's, it's making him tough to keep on a roster. I mean, if you're really struggling at running back and you need, like, three running backs in the league or something like that or in, like, a deep league, then, yeah, maybe you can hold on to Theo Riddick. But other than that, look for Karrion Jones if he's still available. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt's usually floating around in the waivers every so often. He's TD or bust, but he's better than Riddick at this point. Moving on to the wide receivers, hot this week. Nelson, Hogan, and Goodwin dropping Kirk, Ross, and Miller. I mean, Jordy Nelson is ducky, but he's looking like a go-to target with Cooper getting moved to Dallas this week. I mean, Martavis Bryant can't catch a wide-open pass to save his life. I know Jordy Nelson can catch balls. I just don't know if he has enough gas left in him. Look to grab him if you're struggling at wide receiver. Chris Hogan looking like Brady just found a new Amendola. I wouldn't say anything too serious yet, but that's, that's kind of what it's looking like. That one guy he can kind of toss to in uh, pinches and stuff like that, getting some good yardage there. And uh, finally, Chris Goodwin is looking to bounce into Winston's deck of cards soon. Uh, Tampa Bay is looking to bounce back fairly quickly after their uh, change in quarterback, so that's that's looking good for him. Moving on to wide drop, Christian Kirk will be more effective if McCoy's fired. Uh, he'll move to more of like a wide receiver four, maybe even three if you need it. But right now, he's he's not really flexible enough to move in week in week out he's not really worth having stashed on your bench if you can move him for somebody else uh john ross is doubtful and is looking like a solid drop for the year i haven't really seen him produce as much as uh, he was expecting maybe if he has a breakout at the end of the season you can pick him up late but other than that i'd keep an eye off of him and anthony miller was grabbing a lot of people's attention last week but he's got a lot of receivers in chicago to outdo before he can have anything to show for it um i wouldn't really stash him with all the other receivers but i mean if you really need them i guess you could moving on to tight ends hot pickups and joku goder and watson uh dropping break clay and o'leary and joku has been on the waiver wire tight end but you can plug him in and play week after week like there's no other tight ends in Cleveland that Baker Mayfield can throw to, and even if he has an off game, he's gonna catch at least a few things and give you a solid set of points. So he's a good uh, person to grab. I talked about him last week. Pick him up. Godar has kind of done the same thing, but he has to bat a little bit more often with Ertz when the game is close, so it makes him tough to trust. But if the game is a blowout, it seems that he just excels in points. Excuse me, I'm sorry. 
yeah, he seemed to excel in point points at that uh, that sense. So uh, keep an eye on him if you're struggling at the tight end still. Uh, Benjamin Watson fired up this week. Uh, looking for him as a streamer tight end one. I mean, Drew Brees doesn't look at him too often considering he's got a lot of other weapons. But uh, he was looking at him fairly often this game as uh, Baltimore was shutting them down a bit. And uh, he could be a quick little tight end to pick up if you're in a pinch. Moving on to wide drop. Cameron Brate was a main topic last episode. But I feel like O.J. Howard has taken those credits back. Like I said, it was going to be a battle between the two, but you probably should lean towards Brate. And I was wrong. O.J. Howard has taken those reins and said, no, I want to be the lead. Uh, he's looking like the person to have. Brate is looking like the person to drop, unfortunately, unless something changes. Uh, Charles Clay continues to get blanked. I mean, he's been a hyped tight end since last season. If you have him, drop him. There's so many other people you could use that would be more effective than Charles Clay. Uh, it's I'm, it's tough because I really want to see Buffalo players do well, but it's just a tough place to play, and I don't think that he'll do anything effective for your fantasy team. Moving on to the Finns and O'Leary. He cannot find the rhythm, and he shouldn't be stashed at all. I mean, Osweiler has been moving the ball around, but it's not to him. Uh, and it doesn't look like it will be to him. Even with a couple of targets, he'll he'll blank out very fast with all the other weapons that they have uh, and a decent run game that they use more often, I would say. Uh, I was told to do this as a funny aspect, so don't take it too serious, but kickers hot this week. Uh, Kame Fairbane, uh, Sebastian Janikowski, and Mason Crosby. Uh, drops is Cody Parkey, Adam Venetary, and Bullock. I'm going to get a lot of heat for this one. Okay. Uh, why hot? Fairbane has been lighting it up as a kicker in fantasy. Uh, and Yahoo's been averaged, like, I think it was like 10 points each uh, time for half-point fantasy, which is crazy for a kicker. Uh, Janikowski kicks really long field goals. Like, he's kicked long field goals his entire career. So anything that he gets is going to give him a lot of points. And he kicks them like they're nothing. So... He's a good kicker to have. And Mason Crosby has been kicking more field goals than normal, making him an awesome kicker to have. Uh, why drop? <laughs> Cody Parkey should have just stayed in Miami. I mean, like, that missed kick last week I think really screwed with him. I'm not saying he's a bad kicker, but, like, really, dude. Vanitary is questionable and only had three points in Yahoo Fantasy last week. I mean, I'm not saying don't pick up Vanitary because he's, like, the oldest slash best oldest kicker I would probably want to say uh, in the league hands down but I mean questionable with kickers is tough because if you don't get points out of your kicker I mean it's not going to kill you but if those are the points you needed to get over somebody you want them and uh, Bullock from Cincinnati just because of the matchup difficulty for uh, the Bengals I just, I just wouldn't do it Alright, moving on to the crazy games of the week. Uh, game one we'll talk about is Patriots versus Bears. Uh, more valiant efforts fall short on Sunday for the Bears, man. But what a hell of a game. I mean, even as a Pats fan, the back and forth battle throughout the game with a crazy like 30-yard run from Trubisky in the second quarter, which had me on my heels, actually. Uh, and then that bomb to Kevin White at the end of the game, short one yard of a game winner. It was crazy. It was just a wild game. And I, I give so much credit to the Bears and that team as a whole just for, like, the heart that they have as a team. Like, even if the going is tough and, like, everybody's saying that they were just going to 
Patrick's going to walk in and step all over them. That was not the case. Um, James White actually came in ready. As Sony Michelle kind of took an injury early on, he was ready to go. Uh, he's looking at like a huge part of the Pats' offense lately, and that's a good thing with all these injuries happening to the running backs at, uh, at this point in time. The Pats moved to 5-2 and two with the Finns at 4-3 and three in the AFC East right behind them. Just two games behind first place in the AFC Division, which is currently held by the Chiefs. Uh, the next game we're talking about is the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Carolina Panthers. Cam Newton continues to show why he is like a serious fantasy asset week in and week out. But the win against the Eagles was like a huge step for Newton as a player. Uh, he scored late in the game and... The Eagles' poor corner play just continues to be an issue for them. I mean, Winston, the Eagles are looking to bounce back from a tough loss, and they're going to need a lot of defense to help them. Uh, they're 3-4 and four in the NFC East at the second behind the Redskins at 4-2, and two, as the Panthers move to 4-2 and two and second behind the Saints at 5-1. and one. That's going to be, like I said last week, that's going to be a nice division to watch. Uh, Panthers and Saints is always a fun game to watch. I, I hope. I hope that's the one. The last game we're going to talk about is the Baltimore Ravens versus the New Orleans Saints. main reason I want to bring up this game is for the Baltimore defense. And no, I'm not going to roast them because the Ravens defense has been locking offenses down. But the team cannot get it done. Like They just can't get a good game off. That missed kick from Justin Tucker was his first of the career. And the kicker curse remains in Baltimore, I guess. I just don't know what's going on. They moved to 4-3 and three at 3rd behind Cincy at 2nd and Pittsburgh at 1st in the AFC North. Another interesting division to watch. Six to seven weeks until playoffs for fantasy, ladies and gents. Are you excited yet? It's time to start looking at matchups and making moves to further your success each week to finish out strong. But I'm going to go take a nap. This has been Seth Eugenio. Next episode, I'd like at least a question or two in my inbox, but it's cool if you don't. Peace!